Hi everybody, this is Dean Mastretta and I am coming to you with Nicholas Macris from the uh, College of Hospitality at Johnston Wales University in Providence, Rhode Island. And this is Hospitality with Purpose. More, speci- more specifically, I should say, it's Hospitable with Professor Nicholas Macris and Assistant Professor, soon to be Associate Professor, hopefully, Dean Mastretta. And uh, welcome, everybody. Welcome, uh, Nick. How are you today? Hey, Dean. How are you doing today, buddy? Nice nice intro there, bud. Thank you. Actually, this is WJWU coming to you live. Love it. It's from the old radio days. That was uh, Wolfman Jack. Yeah, I used to have a little radio show up at Curry College. Yeah, okay. Enough about yourself. Nothing. Oh, there's never enough about that, young man. Okay. All right, so today we're going to talk about uh, hospitality, obviously. And this program is going to come to you in two sections. Our first section is we're going to take and do a little intro, actually, for our first run out of the gate here. This is our maiden voyage. And uh, then we're going to get into a topic that's relevant, in our opinion, to the industry. And uh, today's uh, specific topic is the changing relationships between the back of the house and the front of the house when it comes to food and beverage management and service. Um, And last but not least, we're going to dedicate around 10 minutes to a specific topic that's either HOSP or not. So you can be the judge at the end. And uh, we'll start off with, Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us a little bit of background about uh, where you come from, uh, came from, where you're coming from, and mm-hmm. yeah. where you continue to come from. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love to. So uh, my entire career has been uh, around hospitality, you know, whether uh, it's restaurants, I've worked in some hotels, but to go get from the beginning, um, I was born in upstate New York, just to give everyone a brief little um, background about myself. I was born in upstate New York outside of uh, Buffalo, a small town called Jamestown. And I'm first immigra- uh, first generation uh, Greek immigrant. My parents were born and raised in Greece, and they immigrated here in the late 60s. Um, at the age of 13, I uh, moved back to Greece. I grew up in Athens uh, from 13 to about 21, which I absolutely love. And uh, that's where my love for hospitality actually flourished. Um, you know, I think uh, Greece is the, uh, the cradle of, of hospitality. We're really hospitable people, and that's where I, uh, my love and my, my desire to be in the industry um, came from. And just, um, especially in the Greek culture, you know, everything is around hospitality and more so food. Um, you know, every event, uh, whether it's uh, a funeral or, or a wedding or a birthday or just a Sunday dinner with, with you know, your grandparents and your family. It's just everything is, is around food and hospitality. So um, as uh, Dean already mentioned, I am uh, an associate professor here at Johnson & Wales. I do teach in the food and beverage department and the College of Hospitality. And that's, uh, that's about it. But uh, hospitality is my world. It's my life. It's my love. Uh, and I absolutely uh, adore adore this industry, uh, the good, bad, and the ugly. So, and Nick, having, having been um, a restaurant owner, no, oh, yeah, um, you understand both perspectives of our subject today: back of the house and front of the house. But you mm-hmm. have an even more unique area of specialty, that being mm-hmm. back of the house. Right. I understand you've done some training, you've done some... I, once, uh, back in Greece. Back in then, Greece, I did do uh, some uh, 
culinary training and traditional European cuisine. Um, and as you said, when I, I did own a restaurant, I, uh, I had the luxury of experiencing not only the back of the house, but more so the front of the house as well. So um, I'm glad, I'm really happy we're doing this topic today because I, uh, I experienced both worlds. And I think it's, uh, it's a perfect topic to, uh, to uh, start off the podcast with. And I, too, uh, <clears throat> come from a hospitality family, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Family kind of is the emotive word here. You know, my father was a chef. My mother was a waitress. I grew mm-hmm. up around this environment mm-hmm. and in some ways swore I would never get into it because of mm-hmm. some of the repercussions I saw that that caused my family. Right. My father was not around on weekends. Right. My father was not around on evenings. Mm-hmm. Um, and it caused strife in the family, and right. I missed my dad. So was that traditional industry uh, riff, you know, your parents uh, not at home and missing special occasions and, you know. And when you're young, you don't understand that. You just want to be with your dad, and you want to be with your mom. Of course, until you're a teenager, <laughs> and that's the last thing you want. Right. But uh, my dad was a loving man. And mm-hmm. I have to thank him for making time because he gave me my real hands-on introduction into cooking. So although I'm not a professionally trained chef, he taught me how to dice an onion, yeah. how to chop parsley, mm-hmm. you know, how to make a saute, um, how all the different parts of the, the cooking world. So although I'm not professionally trained, I can hold my own. Oh, yeah. I think I've got decent knife, knife skills, and I can have a conversation with anybody. Uh, I don't know if I'd go up against you, Nick, but uh, yeah, I think most so. everybody. I don't think you could. But. Well, we'll see about that, young man. Okay. So um, I'm now teaching as an assistant professor at Johnson Wales in the food and beverage department as well. And I also have the luxury where I am still working in industry, in the catering industry, where I'm the director of a boutique catering company. And I'm working with both on-site events out in the world, at people's homes, in parks, in uh, facilities, catering events, primarily weddings. Uh, But I also do other off-site catering, as well as on-site catering, where I'm working in one of several of the restaurants that the hospitality I group group that I work with owns, where I'm actually doing catered events in the restaurant. So I have a unique perspective, I'd like to think, for back-of-the-house and front-of-the-house relationships, mm-hmm. both with on-site events, staff that work daily in a specific restaurant mm-hmm. with a theme, with a brand, and off-site with people that you never know what you're walking into when right. it comes to the environment in which right. you work. Right. So that being said... Um, what do you think, Nick, are some of the changes, changes that have occurred? Now, this could be really just through the normal evolutionary process of the hospitality world or post-COVID, mm-hmm. which seems to be topical, right. uh, with back-of-the-house issues, back-of-the-house right. priorities. What, what is well, going on back there? What is their agenda? Well, what are their goals? Well, let me start by, you know, I, I have a sort of an old-world perspective because I, I grew up in that old uh, mantra mentality that, um, you know, it's the back of the house and the front of the house are two separate worlds. And the, the biggest thing that I noticed when I was, when I owned a restaurant and again, uh, the beginning of my career was in the back of the house. Right. So it was, um, uh, the two separate worlds. What's the structure you know? back there? First of all, like in terms of a staffing standpoint, what is the, what is the chain of command? Or well, what you is know, the it's just like any other, business structure? You, know, you have, you have the chef, which is considered the manager. He controls or she controls the, uh, um, the management, the, the hiring, the firing, the staffing, the uh, ordering, uh, 
having maintained the uh, the costs, um, the facility itself. So it, it, he's he or she is basically the uh, the head of the kitchen, you know. And, and then you have uh, in most kitchens, depending on the size of the of the establishment or the operation, you have a sous chef, and then you have you might have a pastry chef. You might have you know obviously your line cooks, your prep cooks, your sanitation um, people. So that's that's a very you know that's a skeleton basically of, of the uh, of the back of the house. So how often is the chef an executive chef? Yeah. the owner of an establishment. So I go into an establishment. Well, is the chef the owner? A or? lot of times they are. A lot of times they are. Yeah, I mean, especially in in, in uh, so you know uh, uh, individually owned or non corporate uh, you know uh, establishments. Uh, a lot of time the chef will be the owner. You so know. when you owned your own restaurant, how often were you actually oh, every, cooking? Every day. In the beginning, every day. So every the day. person under you would be what position? Would well, they be the sous chef? No, or he was the be... chef. Okay. But I, it, it was an ethnic restaurant. Gotcha. Um, and the chef that I had at the time was uh, not of the same ethnicity. Okay. So um, I mean, I'm not going to – it was Greek. It was are a Greek cha- restaurant, yeah. right? Yeah, are there so. challenges with that? Of when course somebody, there are. Of what course. are they? Well, you have to train them properly, you know, because okay. uh, the, uh, the authenticity uh, aspect has to be there. Understood. You know, when you're a Greek restaurant or a Latin restaurant or whatever, that authentic um, uh, flavor and, and the, 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 you know, the spark. Figuratively and the, the flair, yeah, 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 seriously, it has to be, it has to be there. So uh, the majority of my, my first three, four or five years was just training my chef on how to properly, um, according to, you know, the Greek Taste traditions, traditions, the the flavor profiles of the dishes, and you know the, the various ingredients that make Mediterranean food or Greek food what they are, and, and that gives it that that flavor profile. Um, so that that's what I did for my good first two three years um, until I, I felt comfortable enough that my chef could take over. Um, and then, you know, I, I sort of expanded a little bit. And that, we're going to get into this, I, I think, further in, into the podcast. But um, that's when I started venturing out into the front of the house. I and, and that's where I can, yeah, definitely. I have so many questions about oh, this. Oh, go for it. I know. Um, if I could, did, if you, if I could make just a couple other ones. So how is it as an owner, as a professionally trained chef, which yeah. you are, as somebody that has a vested interest in it, mm-hmm. that, you know, the business model, how is it walking back from that and getting in the front of the house and turning controls over to somebody um, to culture execute? Shock. Is it? Oh, Tell yeah. us about that. What's that it's like? culture shock. What do you mean? Because like I said in the beginning, it's two different worlds, right? So um, it's walking into one, you know, out of one world and into another. So it's, it's a whole different dynamic. You know, dealing with employees in the back of the house, you don't you have very limited, uh, you know, if any, um, exposure to guests, right? Um, being in the front of the house, that's all you do, mm-hmm. right? It's dealing with guests, dealing with employees on a minimal, you know, uh, to, to a minimal point. You know. So the compass but, must be how much are you selling of a product because you're seeing it go out. So this well, you be, understand the popularity of well, it from the back of the house where I see the person's right. expressions and I hear their conversations right. and they're telling me that they love this dish I'll, or they don't and why. I'll be honest with you though. I made a, a 360 degree turn, right? When I left the back I of the house. I think you mean 180. I didn't think you were strong yeah, in math actually yeah, ever. Well, but that's anyway. That's another story, guy. Yeah, so that's, you know, there we go. So that's, yeah. Um, but um, 
it's a totally different world and that's where my perspective totally changed and i i gained that's where i gained respect for the front of the house right um i always did have respect i shouldn't say that but i gained more respect because i understood their world where they were coming from their hardships what they had to deal with right and a lot of times so the diversity that exists between the front and back of the house is you know you always it's it's very common to hear the chef yelling at the front of the house and having a, a very um, uh, authoritative kind of almost ex- militant extremely, kind of punitive extremely, kind of right. bo- mode of operation. And, and I had that. I did had you? that. Of course I did. I had a chip on my shoulder. Absolutely. So you what, know, Now being, that brings being, us to well, another let, point. Let, being, being the owner and being in control of the food and then making sure that everything, uh, you know, the food gets the guest in a timely manner, gets their warm, gets their hot, gets their cold, whatever, you know, pertaining to whatever the dish is. Um, it, it, it creates stressors. It creates stressors, and, and losing your temper uh, is, is a very common thing. And uh, I was that, you know, I was that Gordon Ramsay guy that would just go ballistic on um, the front of the house. And once I stepped into that other world, right. right, that's where I understood that. Listen, you know, I said to myself, Nick, you're, you're, you, what you're doing is incorrect. Yeah. It's not right. You gotta, you gotta tone it back, man. Because, like I said, I, I totally experience where the servers are coming yeah. from, and the, not the servers, bartenders, front of the house managers, so on and so forth. And I saw their perspective, and I saw the the hardships they go through, right? And it's it's just an uh, equally hard world that they have to deal with, as is the kitchen. Interestingly, because I think that I come from a bit of a more a more of a it's not a bit of a more of a perspective from front of the house. So in my world, I meet with clients initially. The phone call comes mm-hmm. in. Somebody's saying I'm having an event for my daughter. Most important day of that daughter's life potentially, um, or that bride to be calls me directly. You know that groom to be, their husband to be, and they uh, want to talk about uh, designing a dream, a vision, an event for that very special day, and that event involves food and beverage, of course. And they want to um, have the guest experience. They want to have the attention being greeted appropriately, and this is, translates directly to front of the house in a, an on-site event, a restaurant, for example. That how are you greeting somebody, taking their jacket off, getting them seated, making sure that they're comfortable. Um, well, that's all. That's all about customer service, needs. right? Sure, it's all about customer service. So, but I'm also watching. <clears throat> each step from when that beverage comes off that bar and goes to that customer. Mm -hmm. I see them taking the first sip of that wine or drink of that martini, and I watch the process start, that process of their one potentially night out for the week. And you watch the evolution of a hospitable, hopefully, experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if that drink takes too long, to right. get to that customer. I don't care if that bartender is busy. I don't care if whatever the issue is, mm-hmm. that customer sees their experience through their eyes of course, only. Of course. So then it goes to watching that first course come up. Right. They're looking at how that course is presented, right. what that portion size is. They're taking that first bite. I see them t- sharing right. whether they enjoy it or not. Usually if they don't, Right. I'm going to hear about it right. first right. before the back of the house. Of course. Does. 
of course. Is that kind of but a that, different agenda that you're talking about? You got seeing well, that's what I experienced. versus not being able to see right. the experience. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Because yeah. we don't understand, you know, what do you right. mean it took too long? What do you mean right. the customer doesn't like it? What do you mean? Or they were unhappy you know, or yeah. impatient right. or frustrated. But, but seeing that those expressions, for, right. you know, on the guests' faces, for me, was, was a, a, a eureka moment, right? So I'm like, this is a different world. Can you right. see the expression on my face right now with my frustration? With no, you I don't. I'm not looking at okay. you right now. Right. So um, it's just, it's two different worlds. And what I wanted to, so you, you were sort of coming into my world by saying that, looking at the guests and seeing their expressions and if, you know, the, the drink is late, the food is late, whatever. Um, it's all about communication between front and back of the house. That's what it is. And I think back in the day, even now, I don't know. I can't really say. I can only speak for myself in, in, in my restaurant. That was always a conflict having that commun- those open channels of yeah. communication having those egos dissipate yes right those egos um of the chef of the back of the house so you're not going to tell me what to do or you're not going to tell you know um things of that nature so it's it's once i entered the front of the house i was lucky enough to bridge that disconnect right i think i've got a story that's i think relevant if i may is it going to be long Absolutely, it okay. is. Yeah. So fasten your seatbelt. All right, man. All right. So when I first took over my first catering company, I was brought in because it was in disarray. It, was, it, it, it started from a very successful restaurant. They got requests to have a catered people that loved the restaurant, wanted the food at, say, their daughter's wedding or at, say, their house party that they were having. And they really weren't a catering company. They were a restaurant, mm-hmm. and they tried to serve food off-premise. And it was met with problems, to say the least. It was a disaster. And those problems were starting to bleed into the restaurant because people were having a bad experience that they were associating, of course, with the restaurant because Mm -hmm. the catering company that they set up that they didn't know how to set up was by the same name. Mm -hmm. So I went in as a catering director. I was at least asked to come in and sort of pull it together and get this restaurant catering company started more officially. And I said, I will on one condition if I could go in undercover. Seen on cover boss on TV, oh, right? Absolutely. Same, well, same concept. Right, right. Actually, I started that yeah. idea before it ever got on television. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Right. No royalties here yeah, coming, okay, FYI. Yeah. So I went in and I observed for a month offsite events actually happening. <clears throat> and it was clear to me that the kitchen hated the front of the house yeah. and the front of the house hated the back, back of, the, of house. the house. Right. And it was because different agendas. Kitchen is timeliness, promptness, temperature of food, presentation, and the front of the house is the customer experience. And well, that could be delayed, well, or that could be stretched out, or that. Can could I interrupt for a second? Uh, yes. That's where I. That's what I understood. So that was the gap that I had to fill. So you're only as good as the people that you surround yourself by, right? So making the front those two worlds understand each other. Yes. The guest experience does start with the food, right? So the chef is right, but also the serving aspect and the way the guest is treated by the server also enhances the guest experience. So it's the marrying of the two that completes that union, right? Well, this place needed some heavy-duty therapy. Okay. Okay, Uh, so it needed some heavy-duty counseling. Speaking personally, you know, that's what I saw, and that was what I think I was able to successfully do, right? To to, To bridge those gaps, bridge those those misconceptions and, and help the both worlds front and back of the house understand that the guest experience is not based solely on the food. It's not solely based on the server 
and the 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 attentiveness. So of you asked me sooner or later what I did to bridge the gap, please, versus your experience, so I can get a little word in here. So, and Jesus. it's not just you know, it's not just the uh, uh, the service. You know, it's the lighting, it's the volume of the music, it's the vibe in the dining room, it's the it's the uh, quality of the drink from the bartender. You know, so all of those things is what creates the guest experience, right? And that's what I think. Um, today's entrepreneurs, today's restaurateurs, rather, have to understand and they have to create that that communication and, and just bridge that that uh, unite those two worlds, right? And and just make them understand that one complements the other and one cannot exist without the other, right? So, can I go now? Please do. <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. Thank you. So what I found to be a solution to this problem was I literally, now we're all joking apart here. Right, no, seriously. I knew that I needed to show a sensitivity for and an understanding and a respect as the new catering director for the back of the house. And the only way that world was going to come together if I got back there as a leader, mm-hmm. a new leader, right. and rolled up my sleeves. And that's just what I did literally. And I peeled potatoes, and I mm-hmm. peeled carrots, yeah, and I did prep work, and I washed dishes. I washed dishes. I was going to say that, yeah. And it blew the kitchen away. They yeah. were surprised. Now, I coming from the background I did, you know, hard work in Italian family, I didn't have any problems with that. So um, I, I did it, and it was the first step of many. Right. But at least it opened the door right. between them saying, okay, this guy's coming in and he genuinely is going to understand our pain and understand the, our issues from right. the back and is willing to, you know, get Do it he himself. Sleeves up. Right. And I think that was the start of it. Yeah. A, there's a lot of other steps we can get into no, now of course. or another time. But, you know, one thing I want our listeners to sort of understand is the fact that um, the guest experience isn't based on one aspect of the, uh, you know, of the restaurant. It's not based, like I said before, you know, I might be repeating myself. It's not based on the food alone. It's not based on the server or the quality of service. It's not based on the quality of the drink. It's all of those things coming together, merging as one, right? That's what the guest is paying for. They're paying for the experience. They're not paying for the food. Yes, they're paying for the food, but they're not, they're not paying solely for the food. Because So let me ask you a question, Dean. When yeah. you go into a restaurant, your favorite restaurant, you have a favorite restaurant. I'm not going to ask you to yeah. name it, obviously. Why do you go there? Why do you go to that favorite restaurant? What makes it your favorite restaurant? What is it that makes you want to go back as frequently as you do? There's, it's, it's a couple takeaways, but it's, it's, it, a lot of it has to do with, obviously, if I'm going to a food establishment for the food. Um, See, I make the, the food. Well, let me okay. just finish. Sure. That's part of it. Okay. Um, first, <laughs> and if it is the beverages, well, you know, it's, it's the beverages mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. But it's also a feeling that it evokes from me. Right. It's, um, it's camaraderie. Mm-hmm. It is a, a, a place where I can leave the world in which I live, which is filled with right. stresses and obligations right. to where I can relax. Mm-hmm. And it's an experience, like you said. It's not just about the food. It's not just about the beverage. It's about the feelings and the takeaway, right. the fellowshipping, mm-hmm. uh, some nostalgia perhaps. Right. Um, it's being um, waited on. If for lack of a better term or way to put it. Right. It's having somebody wait on me versus me having to wait on somebody else, which I feel like I do, you know, yeah. while I'm working yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or, or otherwise. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, whole, it's a full 360 experience. Right. For sure. Um. Well, 
let's just delve into this because the company I work for has, has two, two, two restaurants. One has a closed kitchen. What that means is you can't see the chefs. You can't see the cooks, right? So the mm-hmm. servers run the food out to the guests. The other one has an open kitchen. Mm-hmm. So you can actually physically see the kitchen and its working parts. Right. Are there, what are the unique takeaways from that, from a back of the house and front of the house perspective, both from a guest and as an owner, or if you're an executive chef or the front of the house manager, what are the dynamics that go into that? Honestly, none. to those two? None. None. Okay, then, next subject. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> no, let me explain. I, it's all about training. Okay. That's what it is. And that's how you bridge the two. You train the back of the house to understand the front of the house and vice versa. Okay. Right? And going back to what you were saying earlier about the food being the reason you visit a restaurant, I just want to let the listeners sort of understand. I think that mediocre, the food can be mediocre, but you'll still go back if the overall experience is positive. Right? So if you walk hmm. in and the bartender says, hey, Dean, how are you? Right. Would you like that triple Jack Daniels on the right. rocks? Right, has your drink, knows your, your drink, exactly, knows your right. seat. Knows your name. You're going to have the, the calamari today? Mm-hmm. That is what makes an experience special for a guest. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? And then, like you said, you, you're walking into a world that you can forget your stressors. Yeah. You can forget what happened that day, you know, and just feel comfortable. I think it's that whole, you know, they're, they're playing ambient music, which is awesome. You're getting into you're having a drink, you're having a conversation with a server or bartender, and that's what that's the experience the guest is paying for. Yeah. Now, as far as you know, how do you bridge the front and back of the house? I think it's all about training. Okay. What I did one time after my chef had argued with the front of the house manager. I pulled him out of the kitchen. Would you by asking what the argument was or what was the genesis of that? It, it was the whole, it was the whole, you know, food took too long or the food, you know, but I, I can't remember the exact scenario, but they were arguing okay. for whatever reason, right? The food took too long. The food didn't look, I don't right. know, whatever. So, you know. The topics usually kind of the same. It, it's craziness. So, so this is what I did, right? The first day I took the chef out of the kitchen and I said, you're going to sit at that table that had an overall view of the restaurant. And I'm going to, I said to him, have a glass of water. You're going to sit here and I want you to observe what these servers go through. Probably needed a glass of vodka. Right. Instead. Okay. How did he respond to that? Now, <laughs> the day after, I had the, my front of the house manager. I said, you're going to stand in this corner and you're going to observe what this kitchen goes through. Whoa. And let me tell you what happened. Totally here. changed their perspective. Really? And from that day on, the dynamic turned around, turned around. Have you ever thought about couples therapy, like being a therapist? Sounds like um, you would. <clears throat> anyway. You have a gift. You have a gift. I have many gifts. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. I mean, it's so, sort of similar to what I was saying earlier, you know, in terms of, you know, yeah. having to jump in and, you know, understand each other's right. pain. Right. Doesn't it come back that's to it. that? You know, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and it's, you know, the advice that I would give for future food and beverage managers would be, um, just having an understanding, you know, of, of what the other piece of the restaurant or the other, you know, the front of the house is going through and have the back of the house understand what the front of the house is going through. So I think that's, that's all about communication. It's all about training. 
So, you know, f- the one piece of advice that I could give for, for the, the future food and beverage managers that are listening to us is just try your best to create a culture of understanding and bridge the gap that exists between the front and ho- the front and back of the house, whether it's through training, whether it's through communication, whether it's whatever you have to do just to create that understanding and enlighten your front of the house manager and your your chef, right, the back of the house manager to to what it takes, right? It's a it's a package. It's not you know the, the two complete the restaurant. So okay, as much as I hate to admit this, right yeah, now, I hate to say you this, know I'm right. I agree 100. percent right. I know you do. So I agree, <laughs> right. and I couldn't have said it better. Right, frankly, right. it's understanding each other's pain and putting the pieces of the puzzle Absolutely. together. There was so much more we could get into, oh, but course. I think it's probably about time that we uh, start going into our next segment of the broadcast, which is hosp. Or not. All right. So I know that we uh, spend a lot of time together, both professionally at work here at the school. We both come from specific ethnic backgrounds. We mm-hmm. love talking about food. We pretty much love all aspects of this industry. But we have different, very different perspectives about it, as our students know, as I talk behind your back regularly in class. So, no comment. <laughs> So I think that's a good thing because there are not necessarily blacks and whites in terms of rights or wrongs in this industry. And it's good that the students see different perspectives. A lot of gray. There's a lot we agree on, Mm -hmm. but there are things that we do disagree on. So I thought it would be fun if we bring up a subject uh, once a week where we talk about a situation that maybe Mm -hmm. either you've encountered or I've Mm -hmm. encountered or we've both encountered. And we can just throw it on the table and kick the can around the block, so to speak, and see if it was handled in a hospitable way or if it was a good hospitality experience or if it was handled in a non-hospitable way and it was, or if it was a bad hospitality right. experience. Okay. That being said, time to talk about the cookie. The cookie. The infamous cookie. Yeah, which um, I, love it. I love cookies. Who doesn't love cookies, right? I think you like them too much. Well, I think you might want to take a little look at yourself there, brother. Here's the deal. We had a nice little lunch together. Did we or did we not? We usually have a nice lunch. We talk about business. I I do have to say we did. So uh, I was craving sweets after this one lunch experience we had. We were walking home from this particular, rocking back to the campus, I should say, from this particular dining experience and i had the sugar craving that usually creeps in around two o'clock most of you guys know what that's like right you need a cup of coffee you need some sugar kick in the middle of the day no. well i needed mine no. lo and behold what happened it was like a separating of the clouds i saw the cookie store the cookie. it was right there walking by right it was like an epiphany almost and i thought there's the answer so we went into this uh, cookie store that will go unnamed. And uh, to my excitement, I could smell the beautiful smell of the cooking cookies. They're served warm. Mm-hmm. And as I walked in, there was a small counter space. Nobody else was in the store, but there was nobody to greet me. All right. Issue number one. Mm-hmm. Number two. As I started to look up, I was perplexed by the amount of cookies that were offered, yet they had a selection of cookies that were displayed versus cookies that were actually offered up on the screen. Okay. So I wasn't sure if that was an indication that they had all the cookies or they didn't have the cookies. So now I'm feeling confused walking into the cookie store. 
Nobody's there to greet me. I'm not sure what the inventory is or not, and I'm not sure the ordering process is. I've never ordered cookies from a cookie store that are made to order. So, lo and behold, this young man comes around the counter and stands there and does not greet me. Step number three, issue number three, number four. I started to get frustrated, and I'll let you go ahead and pick up where we left off from there. Well, I'm just going to be blatant and say you were just rude. <laughs> okay, how was I rude? Well, you were rude. How? Specifically. I don't think I was. That's why I'm no, asking. No, you were rude. Okay, tell me. You were rude. to me what? Your demeanor was rude. You okay. were rude. Okay, okay, how was I rude? So, the, so, the, so the, the listeners understand an appropriate response from a customer that's having a bad customer experience versus... Okay. And how to let, let me let me preface this. Okay. okay. Oh God, here we go. Okay. <laughs> no, just because you're having a bad day or you're experiencing bad customer service doesn't mean that you, you have to be rude back or you have to be rude. Period. Okay. All right. Number one. Number two. The way I think that you expressed yourself to the employee was rude. It was just rude. It expressed. I expressed frustration. Did I or did I? Not? And anger. Okay, and I think that frustration's fine. Yeah, it's not bad to, to express frustration when you're walking into a, you know, a cookie store or any a restaurant, whatever, right? But it's 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 the way you express that frustration. Oh, that's that same thing. You know, what it's like when you walk in a restaurant, Nick, and nobody's there to greet you. Doesn't that bother and you? Doesn't the, it frustrate you? It does. You for but the, listen, doesn't start your guest experience off listen, wrong. Listen, the thing that I think that you miss, what? the point is, we're in the industry and we should know better. Right, so we but we're by example. absolutely, and we're the first people, and me too. We're the first ones to criticize and get angry and uh, start being critical. And but we should take a step back and say, listen, we're in the industry now. Maybe the guy, the gentleman behind the counter, was having a bad day. How do you know? And that's my problem. How exactly? Being a human being. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that part. <laughs> <laughs> being a human being. Listen, you have to weigh both options. Listen, okay. was did he do his job? No, he did not. Okay. I just think that you could have been a little bit more subtle, right? A little bit more, I don't know, understanding perhaps, right? Maybe, I mean, how hard is it to order a freaking cookie, Dean? Yeah. <laughs> right? How hard is it to order a cookie, well, apparently Dean? Apparently pretty hard for me. Okay. So let's fast forward here. So okay, what ended ahead. up happening was I did calm down a bit because I think you were actually physically prodding me as one would prod Well, yeah, I was, I, was, I was elbowing him in the, yes. in the ribs to yeah. stop being a, a, a rude dude. Well, I know. later I did calm down and I got my cookie. So well, explain the, how you got the cookie, okay. though, and how that exchange right. happened. So fast forward to the end of the experience. Okay. The young man... After I decided on the cookie that I wanted, pulled this warm, beautiful cookie. I could smell the mm-hmm. aroma from the cookie as he opened mm-hmm. the bake tray. Right. He placed it in front of me. He looked me directly in the eye and calmly and softly said, right. this cookie is it's, complimentary on right. us. Enjoy it. And you know what took me? <sighs> you know what took me by surprise? He could have easily have gotten just as frustrated and angry with you. And it could have ended in a different way. There is a Providence Police Satellite right? Station okay. right around the but corner. But you understand where I'm coming from, <laughs> yeah. right? You understand what I'm saying. But yeah. the, the the employee was very calm. Yeah. Didn't get aggravated. Took the cookie off the shelf and he gave it to you and said, "Here man, this is on me." And I must admit, at that point, right? I felt like a heel. 
And I did as feel you bad. Have, as you should have, yes. And I felt a little embarrassed. Yes, as you should and have. And I understood the prodding that you were giving me. Absolutely. I accepted the cookie, ladies and gentlemen. Which I think as you should have. I did. Because if you and didn't, I, I think that would have, yeah. And I walked out quietly with a tail, with my tail between my legs, probably is an understatement. <clears throat> it bothered me all night, mm-hmm. I think. I actually thought about it all I night. You, I know you did, because you I came in the next day, and you, that, that was the first thing you mentioned in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. So it bothered me about the way I handled it, and I did reflect and regretted some <laughs> of my behavior. So, now here's the question. Yeah. Well, I t- appreciate it, right? Right, but tell but the listeners what happened okay. the, the next day. So I, so I understand, I'm so, reflecting, why, I'm understanding. Why am I saying, because I want them to understand okay. that you are human, okay. and you do have some kind of feelings, yeah. so... So we went out for lunch again to the same place that we did before, and Mm -hmm. I grabbed a nice, beautiful apple. You stole an apple. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, I believe this part of my swipes and my credits, but that's no, you stole the apple. Anyways, together. But I was for a good cause. I brought the gentleman an apple and presented it to him. So Dean, actually, as we were walking back to our offices, Dean did take the apple with the intention of giving it to the employee that he encountered and was so rude to the day before. And we walked into the, the, that establishment. The same employee was behind the counter, and Dean graciously leaned over the counter and said, this is for you, and I apologize for what happened yesterday, which I thought You're was right. classy. Thank you, Nicholas. It was classy. Oh, 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 I got one question. What? Who paid for the friggin' cookie? Who paid for the apple? Oh. See, there's a real question there because oh. I did wonder, did he have the right to give that cookie away? It doesn't Nick? matter. That's, that's, that does not. Did he write it down? Was there a non-cash transaction that took place? Okay. Does the owner know he these, gave the cookie These away? are all, does have, okay. Does he have freedom I to do I agree with you. I agree did with he steal from the cookie store? I agree with you 100%. But that's not for you to question. Did, I'm going back to customer experience and okay. guest experience. All right. Did that experience make you or want, create a want to go back to that cookie place after that employee, that gentleman gave you that cookie? The answer answer to the question is... Yes. Yes. That's what counts. That's what counts. Well, thanks for joining in today. Welcome to Hospitality with Purpose, coming to you from Johnson & Wales University. This is Hospitable. Hospitable with Nick and Dean. And uh, we'll have another topic next week. And we'll have another Hospernaut situation where you can decide whether it was hospitable or not. You have been listening to Hospitable with Nick and Dean, part of the Hospitality with Purpose podcast series from the College of Hospitality Management here at Johnson Wales University. Thank you for tuning in this week. Lots great more to come, including expert interviews, notes from the field, all kinds of great learning moments on the dynamic nature that is the hospitality industry. And don't forget, follow us on Instagram at jwpvdhosp. Until next time.